0: FM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm your host, Greg Griggs. This month, we'll be speaking with two of our residents as they discuss their mentors and how that impacted their choice of family medicine as a career. We'll also hear from NCFP president, Dr. Jessica Trish, about why she thinks it is so important to teach medical students and residents and serve as a mentor. Then we'll give you a quick update on what's going on at the NCFP. Joining me first is Dr. Wesley Roten, a first-year resident at the UNC Family Medicine Residency Program, who will be starting his second year in July. Uh, Dr. Roten grew up in a small town in the northwestern part of our state, West Jefferson, North Carolina. He completed both undergraduate degrees in medical school at UNC, making him a triple Tar Heel now. In med school, he was a Keenan Primary Care Scholar and spent two years at UNC's branch campus at Mayheck in Asheville. As a first-generation college student, his experience with a small-town family physician was crucial in his decision to pursue medicine and ultimately family medicine. Dr. Roten, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: But It's great to have you here. First of all, just tell us a little bit about how you came to have a family physician mentor in West Jefferson.
1: Yeah, so when I was growing up, probably about 10 or 11 years old, my brother went off to college and uh, my mom took on an extra job in the evenings cleaning a family practice nearby. Um, So I started helping out with that and then started running into some of the family physicians there. And one in particular, I would see often Vicki Fowler, um, and we just kind of became friends over the years and uh, kept that job throughout middle school, high school. Um, and so we we became uh, quite close over the years.
0: So really just through that experience, uh, you started getting to know her and it, it made a big difference in your life.
1: It did. She started, um, you know, later on, as I started approaching uh, time to apply for college, she started talking to me more about my uh, career opportunities and then. Um, out of that spun this opportunity for me to kind of shadow her and um, have an internship during my senior year of high school where I would come in, see a couple patients with her, learn a couple things, and then do some small projects for the office on the side. Um, and so that was one of my first, you know, up and close exposures into family medicine and uh, one of the first things that
0: kind of gave me the bug. So, so, what were some of the projects that you worked on with them in the office?
1: I don't even remember. I think they would make up little jobs for me. You know, they had they still had paper charts. And so sometimes it was like reorganizing all the paper charts. Uh, sometimes I would be working with a practice manager to, um, to you know, do these little projects around the office. It was nothing too medical from what I remember. It was just something to kind of keep me busy and give me a trade off for all the uh, good experience I was having.
0: But, but you did get to see a couple of patients. What was that like seeing, you know, going with her in to see patients in your hometown?
1: It was a lot of fun. Um, It was, it was really neat because it was her hometown as well. And so I was seeing a lot of people that she had known for, you know, 30, 40 years. And um, they really had a high opinion of her um, in that community. It was really special to see how, um, how important she was to the community and how, um, how, just how good of a a service she provided to them and how much they respected her for that. and it was also just amazing to see how many things she could do in the clinic from, uh, you know, procedures to end of life care to uh, even going over to the hospital to round on patients. And she took me around for all of that. Um, and so it really uh, impressed me as to what a family physician could do. I, I had no idea that their scope was uh, that broad before I spent time with her and um, had no idea how much you know, I could sometime be capable of if I became a family physician myself until
0: that that was sort of the start of your academic career going you know from high school with that project off to college. How did that really impact your long term trajectory? It sounds like you almost got on that family medicine trajectory there in high school.
1: I sure did. It was um, when I was writing my personal statement for residency, I said, I had no idea that not all not all physicians could do that, really, until I got to medical school. And I was like, wait, what? Everything's so siloed and specialized. Because my first experience was this rural family medicine experience where you can just do so many things. Um, and so I feel like once I got that experience as a, an 18-year-old, even when I got to medical school, there was no going back. Because I just didn't want to to narrow my focus at all after I'd always kind of dreamed of being that kind of physician. Um I think from then on, I was uh, I was stuck with family medicine for better or
0: worse. Uh, we think it's for better because we need more folks just like you. Uh, where do you see yourself practicing in a few years?
1: I think after residency, I'll be heading back to Western North Carolina. Um, I tell people from anywhere from Boone to Brevard. Um, I love all the small towns through there, and um, you know, any practice that would take me, I would be I would be lucky to to be back in the mountains and be doing what I love. So hopefully back in Western North Carolina over the next few years.
0: I I really appreciate you telling us that uh, story. That's a real powerful story. I think it tells the impact of mentors, and I think it also tells the impact of uh, that early exposure to rural family medicine and early exposure to the the clinical setting in a small town.
1: Right. Like I said, from the age of 18, I was hooked on family medicine, so uh, it worked for me. And I was uh, lucky to have someone you know, take the time to look after me as a, as a kid and give me that experience.
0: Well, we really appreciate you joining and sharing your story, Dr. Roten. Uh, and I'm sure Dr. Fowler is pleased with the outcome. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's Dr. Wesley Roten, a rising second year, finishing his intern year at UNC in Family Medicine Residency Program. Joining us next is Dr. Kyle Melvin. Dr. Melvin is completing his residency at the UNC Family Medicine Residency Program this month. He also grew up in small town, North Carolina in Beaver Dam, about 30 minutes southeast of Fayetteville. He attended UNC as an undergraduate and then was accepted into medical school and became part of the initial class of FIRST Scholars. FIRST stands for Fully Integrated Readiness for Service Training. The program provides enhanced learning opportunities, but also allowed him to complete medical school in three years instead of four. He spent three years in residency, and now he'll honor a commitment to work in rural North Carolina. Uh, Dr. Melvin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's a really great privilege to be here. Uh, in the past, you've mentioned several mentors that you've had to me. Uh, a few from when you were an undergraduate at UNC, Uh, and some from medical school. Can you tell me a little bit about who was your first mentor as an undergraduate, and how did you get to know them? Yeah, so my first
2: mentor was actually an interventional cardiologist, funny enough, down in Lumberton, North Carolina, um, Dr. Steve Royal. Um, We had some family connections to him. A family friend was actually a colleague of his, and when I was Um, uh, A freshman in college, that family friend introduced me to Dr. Royal, and I actually worked for him as a period of time um, as a scribe. And he's now become
0: one of my best friends and confidants and mentors over the year. Well, how did that translate from interventional cardiology to you getting interested in primary care and family medicine? Part of
2: that story goes back to working in the ER as a scribe, um, you know, working with an interventional cardiologist. You know, I thought initially I was going to be a cardiologist like he was. um, But when I was working as a scribe in the ER, I saw all these, you know, the STEMIs come in, the strokes, and it's all people that just didn't have good primary care because it just wasn't available to them in their community and shifted to really thinking about primary care as something that I wanted to do to kind of address root cause issues as well. And really Dr. Royal almost serves as a primary care doc to some of his patients as well, even though he's a specialist. Um, Because there's not as many primary care physicians down there, he's still doing some of that same good primary care work as well.
0: Well, That's great. Uh, Talk a little bit about some of your other mentors that you've developed uh, as you went through college and med school
2: you know, I've been really fortunate, you know, to spend all of my time here at, at Carolina for the past 10 years. And I actually met Dr. Tommy Kuntz and Dr. Amir Barzan in a patient-centered care course um, when I was a standardized patient for them. So knew them and, and saw kind of what they did as family doctors early on in my undergraduate career. Um, And wanted to emulate them as well and what they did and just saw kind of how passionate they were about their work and their teaching um, and wanted to emulate that. Uh, When I became a first scholar, I really benefited from the mentorship of Dr. Christy Page and Dr. Catherine Coe. I really think that one of the major benefits that I've had in my career here as a medical student and resident is is the mentorship that I receive through them. I always tell them that I would not be not only the physician that I am today um, if it were not for them, but also the mentor and leader in family medicine um, if it weren't for them
0: as well. Uh, For some of our listeners who might not know who uh, all these individuals are, uh, tell us a little bit about who uh, Dr. Page, Dr. Coe, Dr. barson and Dr. Kuntz are real quickly.
2: Yeah, so all of them are faculty members here at the UNC Department of Family Medicine. Um, when I became a first scholar and joined the department in 2015, um, Dr. Page was the um residency program director, later became my chair, and then now as the dean of the School of Medicine. Um, Dr. Ko, when I joined, was a resident um, and then became chief resident, followed by now faculty member and director of the first program. Um, Dr. Barzen being our previous medical director here at the Family Medicine Center and previous resident. And then Dr. Koontz being um, a faculty member here previous medical director of the clinic as well, and director of our patient-centered care course here at the School of Medicine. Well,
0: it really ranges from folks who were residents at the time they began mentoring you to folks who were already in uh, uh, high-level leadership roles uh, uh, that were mentors as well. So, it just really shows the range of mentors you can have. Absolutely, and I think having
2: mentors from all of those different stages in their careers, and also being able to grow alongside of them, was extremely beneficial for me. Um, some people that I talk to think that they can't be a mentor because they are not to their end stage career yet; they are not where they want to be in life, as far as you know. They are undergraduate students who are aspiring family docs or aspiring physicians. Um, But still, you can be a mentor because you have knowledge and you have experience to folks that are not in your position, that are in positions before where you were at. um, And you can still offer that knowledge and expertise and guidance.
0: So you're really saying everyone can be a mentor if you lend a little bit of expertise and guidance to others. Absolutely. I think that being
2: a mentor is an extreme honor for me, um, kind of in my work as well in mentorship. I just enjoy it so much. And I think that it is you know, a gift back when all of us have received gifts of mentorship, um, when we really kind of reflect on our careers.
0: I know you've been mentoring some undergraduate students uh recently as well and that's meant a lot to the folks that uh, I know who have been undergraduates and who want to be like you uh, one day in the future. So uh you truly are already uh, modeling that behavior. Uh, uh you know what impact do these mentors have? What do they mean to you? <laughs>
2: I always joke with them that you know they are some of my best friends in life, actually. I think that a good mentor is somebody who desires to mentor, desires to help others and give back. I think their good mentors are also folks that wanted to teach and just have a passion for that. For me, the impact has been... I mean, paramount. I I really just don't think that I could have gotten to where I am coming from a rural community in North Carolina had it not been for that mentorship and that guidance of saying, I don't think that where you're going right now is the right path. Or I think that you could try something a little bit different based on my experience and how I did things. And, you know, luckily it working out kind of in my favor as well.
0: In closing, you've previously mentioned ways that individuals who have had great mentors can give back, uh, particularly through the Rural Health Summer Academy. Talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so this is a program that I actually started alongside Dr. Coe and then now co direct with Dr. Kelly Smith, my advisor here in the residency program, um, that began as I finished medical school to focus on mentoring rural high school students from North Carolina. Um, The data shows that they are kind of underrepresented in our medical schools across the state, but we also know that they are some of the most probable to go back and serve in rural North Carolina just because of their background. So our goal was to mentor them, to kind of find them and foster them and build them up over their kind of educational careers. Um, Going forward, you know, we are going to have some students now that are entering their senior year of college. And as they go on to health profession schools across the state, I think that, you know, folks who are interested in mentoring but don't yet know how, to do it or how to get involved can certainly reach out to us because we would love to have a network of rural primary care physicians across the state to not only serve as mentors for medical students, residents, um, as they are entering into their medical career, but also undergraduate students that are in local colleges in the community to allow them to shadow. Um, Even simple things as just having a cup of coffee with somebody or allowing them to come and talk with you in your clinic is so valuable to them and is just so needed across the state and especially in our rural areas.
0: Dr. Melvin, I appreciate sort of that call to action for others. And I hope everybody who's listening to this will uh, take heed to that and, you know, make one small step, whether it's having somebody shadow you or whether it's uh, just having a cup of coffee with uh, a, an aspiring future healthcare professional. So, thanks for joining us. That's been Dr. Kyle Melvin and congratulations, Dr. Melvin, as you graduate from residency and start your own uh, practice in in Chatham County, uh, serving a rural part of our state. So, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Greg. We turn to the other side of the coin as Dr. Jessica Trish, the current president of the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians, who works at Fidant Chakawinity Family Medicine in rural eastern North Carolina, joins me to discuss why she continually teaches medical students and tries to develop those mentoring relationships. Dr. Trish, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks
0: for having me. First, why do you think it's so important to teach and serve as a mentor?
3: That's a great question. I think students are a workforce pipeline, especially in areas that are rural and dry practice. And I've had students in the past that have rotated with me. One in particular I think of who is now an administrative role at VITA the organization I work for. So having him in my clinic Seen what I do, kept them local, rural, and now he's even a leader. I've had another student rotate with me who is my colleague who works just down the hall. I have another one who worked with me as a first year through fourth year, at least a little bit every year, who I would love to hire in the future. And these are all people that are local and they will continue to be in, in areas that are underserved.
0: Talk to me a little bit about some of the students that you have mentored and you know what are the, have the results been?
3: I've been lucky to have many students become family physicians, which is always wonderful. The first student I ever taught, um, which was about a year after I completed residency, is now an attending family physician practicing direct primary care and sits on our, one of our committees, one of the academy's committees. Um, I had another student who was really interested in psych, but she changed her mind during our clerkship, and now she's going to be applying to family medicines later this year. I've had students who didn't become family physicians, and that's okay, because I think they learn the value of what it means to be a family physician and and the value of what we do. I've even written a letter of recommendation for a student who was applying to interventional radiology, and he was accepted which is cool. We keep in touch. Um, some students will text or email me updates about their lives, where they are in residency. Um, in fact, I have a student right now and her classmate um, texted her to tell me hi um, today. So that was neat. And some kids, some students will send me photos of their kids as well. So it's, it's, it's been really neat results.
0: Uh, You've really told me some interesting stories uh, about some of your teaching experiences. uh What's the most interesting thing that has happened uh, as you've taught medical students?
3: (laughs) There's so many stories I could spend hours, but um, I think one interesting thing I had a student who I bonded with over over king chicken cheese biscuits and deep discussions about current events. Um, And we just our friendship grew. She and her then fiance came to my house, went on the boat. Played Nerf gun wars with my kids, went on the tube, and she wound up inviting my entire family, my kids, to their wedding, which was was neat. Um, I took another story. I took a a student to Washington, D.C. for a conference, and we rode the train, ate really good restaurants, and, and wound up having drinks with my brother who lives there. Um, I've had a student who stayed with me from the academy summer programs um, and I showed her where she could kayak and she left during daylight and then wasn't back at dark and I really thought I lost a student would be banned from teaching but she showed back up after she used her phone as a flashlight to get back and then real quick yesterday something cool happened which is a little bit different is I'm, I saw a child on Monday who was having headaches and um, on an eye exam he had what's called strabismus and his eyes kind of went different angles that they shouldn't be. And I was concerned and wanted him worked in as quick as I could by neurology. And I remembered a former student whose mom was a neurologist and we had a great relationship. So I felt comfortable reaching out to her mom who managed to get the child in this morning um, and they're working him up now. So I think it's important to remember that our students are also networks for us and can be resources for us as well as us for them. Hopefully, that story will have a
0: good outcome. Yeah, first of all, I'm glad your student didn't get lost and, and found their way back kayaking. Uh, uh, we may have had to, you know, give you a demerit if you lost a student. Uh, and, you probably uh, would
3: have given me. And,
0: and, I, and I think it's really uh, great to know that the students also become resources for you and, and it's developing that relationship. So, you know, finally, what would you tell your fellow physicians about the importance of teaching and mentoring?
3: I mean, speaking truly from my heart, mentoring is fun, it's rewarding. And, and yeah, it may slow you down in clinic, but your day just feels like it goes so much faster because you're having fun. And, and you could ask my husband this or my my colleagues, I laugh the hardest when I have a student with me. Um, And, and we can make an impact on these. And I, I put quotes, these kids' lives. I always think of these students as kids, even though they're not. Um, and we can teach them to be amazing doctors. And I also want us as, as my fellow physicians to remember that, they can teach us to be better physicians as well. It's a a two-way street.
0: Well, that's great. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us, Dr. Trish, uh, our current NCFP president. Thank you. Now for a few quick updates from the NCFP. Don't forget that registration is now open for the NCAFP Summer Virtual Symposium on Saturday, August 7th. You'll be able to receive six high-quality hours of clinical CME from the comfort of your own home or even from your vacation. For more information, go to www.ncafp.com slash summer CME. We're also pleased to announce the return of in-person CME with our 2021 NCFP Annual Meeting and Winter Family Physicians Weekend in Asheville, December 2nd through the 5th. NCFP members should watch your email carefully throughout June for key updates and a link to registration. Due to high command and our efforts to preserve rooms for our members, you will not be able to reserve a room at Grove Park without registering for the conference first. Once you're registered, you'll be sent a room reservation link. So please watch your email when registration becomes available. Finally, we continue to work on reducing the administrative burdens that family physicians face. We just completed a member survey about how we can best address these issues. Your NCFP committees and board will be analyzing these results and taking steps on your behalf. Look for more details in the coming months. Thanks again for joining us for the June edition of NCFM Today. You can find NCFM Today on the Apple or Google stores, on Spotify, or for wherever you subscribe to podcasts. You can also find it on our website at www.ncfp.com. Until next month, I'm Greg Griggs.